This is the Taiwanology podcast from Commonwealth Magazine, where we discuss Taiwan matters and why they matter to you. Coming to you from Taipei, the capital of the freest nation in Asia. Welcome back to another episode of Taiwanology. This is your host Guangying Liu from Commonwealth Magazine, coming to you from Taipei. We're very happy to announce that this show was named by Feedspot as Taiwan's top 35 podcasts that one must follow if you want to learn about Taiwan. Thank you, Anuj from Feedspot, for the recognition. Today, we're stepping into the vibrant world of footwear manufacturing, and there's no better place to start than Taiwan. Why? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question: How many pairs of running shoes do you own? Did you know that over half of them are probably made by Taiwanese companies? You might be surprised to learn that Taiwan doesn't just make the chips for your iPhones and Nintendo Switches; they also put together the Nikes, New Balances, Adidas shoes on your feet. Either they are manufactured or first designed here in Taiwan, before they were shipped into different countries where you are. And before they were made in a factory in Vietnam, India, or China. So, to give you just a few examples, over seventy percent of Nikes, about ninety percent of New Balance shoes are made by Taiwanese companies. The most notable of them are Baocheng Group, Fengtai, and the Diamond Group, where our guest today is representing. So. Why is Taiwan so good at making shoes? We are going to talk to the people in the know. Today, we're honored to have two guests in the studio from Diamond Group. This group is among Taiwan's top ten footwear companies. If you have never heard of them, don't worry, you're not the only one because they are very successful, but also unlisted. They are. What we call hidden champions. I'm really happy to have Louis and Ben in today in the studio. Hi. Hi, Guanyin. Hi. Okay, so let me introduce Louis Chen, Chen Lizong. He is the second generation CEO, and he has a PhD from Hong Kong Polytechnic University. And next to him is Bang Lin Lin Bangyan, the vice chairman of Diamond Group. And also the CEO of Cortina Global. He is boasting an MBA from MIT's Sloan School of Management. Thank you, gentlemen. Welcome to our studio today. So, why do we invite Diamond Group? Because if you have shoes made by Puma, New Balance, Mizuno, or Unrunning, well, there's a high chance that they come from Diamond Group's factories. Each year, they roll out a whopping 35 million pairs of sports shoes around the world, and that's not all. They also produce a variety of sporting goods, from baseball gloves to ice hockey equipment, all from their 18 factories that spread around six countries. So, first of all, for people who don't know about Diamond Group. Bing, how would you introduce Diamond Group to people who don't know about you? What's your business? Okay, Guan, we are Diamond Group is a global contract manufacturer for branded athletic footwear and also branded athletic sporting goods equipment. 
So as you already mentioned, we produce four global brands such as Puma, Mizuno, New Balance. And in terms of sporting goods, we work with also branded athletic brands such as in baseball, such as Rawlings, in hockey, such as in also every kind of sports that you can imagine. And then we produce them in our 18 factories in six countries. Uh, so a lot of times I always tell people that you may not be familiar with diamond. The diamond name may not be known, but the thing is that every day when you turn on the TV, we're around you. Uh, How if, so? If you're watching a major league uh, baseball game, an athlete could be wearing our products. It could be somebody, a uh, professional football player in the Premier League, you know, even on the ice rinks of NHL. So every day we, you turn on the TV, we are there. Right. So for example, for baseball, what do you manufacture? What, what would a, what's on a baseball player that would be made by Diamond Group? Uh, pretty much head to toe. So from the batting helmet to the baseball glove, to mm -hmm. the bat, to the ball, to the shoe. Including balls. I yes. didn't know that. Okay. Yes. Shoes. And, uh, and also for, for ice hockey, everything? Except for the stick and skate. Yes, everything. So from helmet to the face masks to the under-protective equipment to protect the player's safety. Okay, so yes. literally you're everywhere. Uh, pretty much. Right. And how did the company start? Uh, the company started about 50 years ago. So actually we, we got our roots from sporting goods, actually even before footwear. Our founder, chairman, Mr. Charles Chen, he actually got his start, his career in the sporting goods business, working for a Japanese sporting goods equipment. And then from there, he became a representative and buyer for a U.S. Uh, sporting goods brand. And I think it was during that time, he saw the vibrant market for sport and the demand for sporting goods. And at that time, Taiwan sporting goods manufacturing industry boomed. And being an athlete, actually, himself, going on playing baseball, I, I think it was that passion for sports that got him, you know, the urge to also join this sports manufacturing boom in Taiwan. So he went into the business of manufacturing sporting goods. So, Bang, how did you get into the company? I got in the company because of becoming a family. In 1997, I was graduating from the MIT Stone School of Business. And at that time, it was my girlfriend's father. He was there to see his daughter on the weekend that he had a business trip to Atlanta. He asked me if I would be interested in going to a sports show, a trade show with him. Okay. So, so I went. And after three days, he said, what do you think? You know, do you think you might be interested in doing, doing this? So at that time, did he already tell you that he's an owner of the Diamond Group or not? At that time, I, I, yeah, I already know. You already know. So that was a very fateful three days with your father-in-law. Yeah, definitely something I wasn't thinking at that time. That was right at the dawn of the dot-com boom. I think coming out of Sloan, I think a lot of my classmates, including myself, were looking at iBanking, uh, consulting, or going to Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it was interesting. It was very different, yeah. But I think... Being an athlete myself, being involved in sport, being, seeing the, the, the energy that's around the industry and, and, and that sport, you know, sport, the, the sports market. Yeah. I think that attracted me. Yeah. Okay. And little did you know that this is also a very lucrative opportunity for, for business, but uh, I guess we all know about that now. So very interesting. When I was doing some research about the, the backstory, I realized that Ben and 
Louis, uh, you were actually um, also in software business. Uh, tell us about that. I, I, I think it's also pretty successful and you're ahead of everyone else. Oh, uh, yeah. Different from Ben. Actually, I'm a typical student who grew in Taiwan education system. And what do you mean by typical? Typical is study, examination, and... No sports. I need to do that privately. Okay. I cannot tell my parents that, hey, I have a basketball game today. I actually need to wa wash my clothes by myself oh. in school, not let them know I participate in the school team activities. Not like the kids right now. They are so lucky. That's true. And actually, during my college year, I happened to witness the rise of the internet and along with some good friends and my future brother-in-law, Ben, mm -hmm. we co-founded a software company, which is now listed under the stock symbol 7547. Oh, wow. Okay. What's the company called? That company, the English name is Intumid. Chinese name is Shuowang Zixin. Mm -hmm. Actually, Intumid is a combined words. I stand for internet and NTU plus MIT. <laughs> okay. Okay, for those outside of Taiwan, we have to explain a little bit. So NTU... NTU is Taiwan Dasha, National yeah. Taiwan University. Right. And because the first 10 co-founders, uh, six graduate from NTU and three from MIT. Okay, perfect. So to be honest, back then, I never thought I would return to take over a family business. Never. So because you were knee-deep in the software business and it was pretty successful. I cannot say successful, but just never think about I will return to a family business. I often used to say to others, who wants to be a second generation if you can be the first? So True. I think I'm too proud at that. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Actually, just in 2003, my family business, I feel like they need me. And it's just like I received a calling. I didn't think too much. I went straight to the China mainland factory and start my journey in the shoemaking industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So from NTU graduate in economics mm. to a shoemaker. Yeah. And then and now a basketball team owner. So maybe maybe we could go back to that later. So that's the software company. And how is Diamond Group doing doing now? I mean globally. So we were talking about that you have 18 factories across six countries. Could you just tell me why you have to have presence at so many different locations? Maybe Ben can answer that. Yeah, I think in terms of what we do, we are, you know, we involve a lot of labor. We are constantly under different influence and effects of the global trade environment. So we are constantly looking at how to balance our cost as well as meeting the demands and requirements of our customers. So in terms of labor costs and availability of labor, we, we, it's almost like every 10 years we are migrating to the next location to, in order to get the next cheaper right. or available labor. So mm. in the beginning, everything was made, I guess, in Taiwan yes. at to, to some point, right? Mm. So I think there was a time when Taiwan was making uh, a lot of Barbie dolls mm -hmm. and umbrellas and shoes. So when did the first migration happen? I think the first migration actually occurred because the U.S. actually placed a quota on 
footwear and apparel in Taiwan. Oh, okay. So immediately, you couldn't do business overnight. So that was in the 19... 19- I think it was in the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. And then we actually, we, we stepped out for the first time we actually stepped out, migrate was out to the Philippines. Yeah. Okay. And then only after that, I think it's the second stage where the cost and availability of labor in Taiwan actually got too expensive and we need to continue more. And that's where the westward movement to China happened. Right. The phase two. And then I think there was another phase after that. Uh, another phase after that is actually Indonesia and Vietnam at that time. So one reason at that time to move to southward to Vietnam or Indonesia, one is also for availability of labor. The other one is uh, for duty reasons. Yeah, This time it's Europe. Europe was placing anti-dumping duty on shoes coming from China. Yeah, or it was so... Also, Europe was very conscious about supporting some of the new developing countries in Southeast right. Asia. So Vietnam and Indonesia got uh, preferential duty treatment. So at that time, for European exports, we had to move. Our customers asked us to yeah. add new locations, production locations. Right. So according to the, the cover story that my coworker just did on mm. the shoemaking industry from Taiwan, so... I think the latest trend is that the shoe manufacturers are all setting up shop in India. So why India now? I think all the interest now is in India is not only looking for the next manufacturing location, but actually looking at the next highest potential market. So if you look at it right now, China is the largest market for footwear. So there's still a lot of manufacturing being done in China, but it's actually, you know, 60 to 70% of the production in China is for the local to local market. Mm-hmm. And so I think India is the next one. I think this is very similar to why, you know, for Apple, why they are now also moving their supply chain to They're India. Making iPhones in India. Sure. That's true. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Right. So that's why. So I don't know a lot about shoemaking. So I'm very fascinated. What does it take to make a pair of shoes? Because we we wear shoes every day. Everybody has maybe 20 or 30 different pairs. But little we do know that how complicated it could be and how many people and processes are involved in making a pair of shoes. Could you tell me about that? Making a pair of shoes is not as difficult as you would think or imagine it to be. Actually, if if... Uh, any of us, any of you has ever put together a puzzle. Oh, Putting together a shoe is pretty much like that. So if you look at a, a shoe, what you're wearing, what's wrapped around your feet, we call it the upper. What's mm-hmm. below your feet making contact with the ground is the outsole. Right? So these are the two big puzzles. When you put these together, it's a pair of shoes. But if you look at the upper, you will see that it's also made up of different pieces, right? Different pieces of leather right. or fabric or color. So if you actually take that all apart, it's actually, it, it would look like a puzzle. So making a shoe is pretty much putting that puzzle together for the upper, stitching it together, and then we glue it to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, and to make a pair of shoes, you know, our, I think a lot of time we have this thinking that, oh, you know, the most famous shoes are the Italian handmade shoes. Right. Right. They come in high prices and prestige. Yeah, and the, the leather, luxury. the stitching. Yeah, made in Italy, handcrafted. But right. honestly, every pair of shoes is handcrafted and handmade because for each pair of shoes coming out of a factory, it must have gone through over two or 300 pairs of hands. That uh, many? That many. 
yeah, piecing the puzzles together, right, at different stages. And that is only within our factory, outside our factory from our upstream tier two material suppliers. They produce the material, mm -hmm. they ship to our factory. The, the also bottom component uh, suppliers, they produce the bottom, ship to our factory. And we are the final integrator that assembles that. How many suppliers would be involved in, in making a pair of shoes? Probably close to 50 suppliers. Well, that's a lot. So in, in other words, it's a highly complex industry. So making shoes can be more complex than, let's say, making a Tesla because, you know, Tesla, Elon Musk was always very proud to say that we make everything in one factory. It's a gigafactory. We produce everything here. We do our own stamping and we have, we have everything made here. But actually in shoemaking, you have to partner with so many other different factories and partners. Uh, yes. In a way, sometimes we think that we produce the most complex products compared to automobiles or compare, even compared to the electronic high-tech industry. To this day, shoemaking is still very labor-intensive, right? Mm. So there is not much automation? There is a lot of automation, but the automation happens in terms of modular level of producing the component. For the rest of the shoemaking to put that shoe together, the thing is that the more you automate or you over-automate it, the less complexity you can create on the shoe or design the shoe. Because your hands are much more nimble. Mm, you yeah. can create more detailed, delicate handwork or, or details on the shoe with manual labor. Automation is a great thing. It's the major driving force behind our current innovation in terms of manufacturing excellence. But there, there is a limitation to that. Sure. So I hope everyone, when you're looking at your shoes, you think about the 200 and 300 people's uh, efforts going into making that pair of shoes of yours. So, okay, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk about why Taiwanese companies are so indispensable for the big shoe brands around the world. Welcome back to Taiwanology. I'm your host, Guangying Liu. Today we have... Uh, Diamond Group CEO Louis Chen and the Diamond Group's Vice Chairman Bang Lin with us. He's also the CEO of Cortina Global. So uh, we were just talking about how important Taiwanese companies are for the global shoe brands such as Nike, Adidas, and New Balance. So just in case you forget, more than half of the world's sporting shoes are made by Taiwanese companies. And I could say that over 70% of Nikes and over 90% of New Balance shoes are made by Taiwanese companies. I guess a lot of people would be very curious to, to know what's the secret behind it. So Because there, there are so many big footwear brands. And why do Taiwanese companies play such an important oversized role in the supply chain? So maybe, Ben, you can tell us. I think the major global brands currently work with a lot of the Taiwanese company, mainly because the Taiwanese company are, over the decades, has proven to be the most nimble and reliable partner. I think in the support where we were talking about earlier, the requirement to produce at the right cost. So the constant migration to manage cost 
the requirement to react to global trade environment. So moving to different locations and being able to adapt and to rapidly mobilize. I think Taiwanese companies has always been the one that can reliably deliver that. And no matter where you go and no matter how you do it, still comes out on top in terms of providing the best costs and value, best quality, best delivery, and meeting compliance and also the, the current more and more uh, stringent requirement for sustainability. Right. So, you know, one story that my coworker wrote in her cover story was how rapidly Taiwanese suppliers can produce samples. Mm. So there was one story, I forgot it was with which company, but um, I think uh, it was representatives from either Nike or New Balance, and they, they came to Taiwan. They uh, were visiting the factory and um, they had lunch with the, the the guests, and then they went to play golf, mm-hmm. I think. And after golfing, a pair of samples were presented the client. So this kind of speed, why are Taiwanese companies so efficient in producing samples and meeting the customers' needs? I think this may be particularly Taiwanese. I, I think we are always eager to prove that we can, yeah, mm-hmm. to, to do something, uh, to show that we are maybe better than somebody else. So speed is part of that. And I think this speed is now being even driven faster and faster. For example, sampling that you were just talking about now, moving from not just the physical sample, right. we also now do digital sample, moving from physical shoes to virtual shoes. Oh, virtual sample. We have virtual sampling centers in four different countries, as well as Taiwan. We can actually, depending on the workloading, even move projects through our different teams to get it done faster wherever there is capacity to take on additional work. So that's how the Taiwanese think, and that's how the Taiwanese works. I think that's uh, the reason that these brands work with us, because we can really pull magic tricks out of the map. That story I mentioned, I think they... They made the samples out of styrofoam, but I think it had has really upgraded the the craft, right? So from styrofoam maybe to three D printing, and now the digital sampling is the latest example. So I could really see the urge to go above and beyond in impressing the customers. But sometimes I'm just I you know, if I put myself uh, in in the shoes of the Taiwanese shoemakers. Sometimes I would feel that, well, it's the customers in Europe or in the U.S., they don't know how much it takes to make a pair of shoes. And they are just very happy buying. And sometimes do you do you feel that you are unrecognized or undervalued by the consumers in those markets? Uh, I think on the contrary. I think actually more and more our customer knows that they need they need the Taiwanese partners. They need the manufacturer in order to create, actually help them to create and deliver to the market what, what they had envisioned. I think because very similar to the IC or, or the semiconductor industry, mm-hmm. we know more and own more of the process than our customers. We have more knowledge about how to go about bringing the de- a design into reality, into a physical shape and physical shoe or physical sporting goods equipment than, than their people. 
So mm-hmm. actually, we are now uh, even more than before intertwined together and collaborate on more equal level. Right. Yeah. So I think it's really the case that the the, the customers, their people might be rotating, but they still need the Taiwanese companies who make the shoes for them.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you are the ones with the expertise and the the machinery and also. The management skills to manage. How many employees do you have around the world?、Uh, currently, twenty-two thousand. Okay, so、yeah. that's really a huge enterprise. But but then when Ben was talking about what makes Taiwanese companies so competitive that we are efficient and that we could always achieve cost effectiveness, we can relocate when circumstances change. But other Companies can also do that. The, for example, Korean companies or Japanese companies, they can also do that. So maybe, okay, Louis, I think you can be the best person to tell us what makes Taiwanese companies so different from the Korean competitors. I think Korean shoe group, much like other famous Korean corporations such as Samsung and LG, they are well known in scale. They do everything from material component, they assembly together, even have their own brand. So vertical, vertical integration. But just like the other industry, our IC industry in Taiwan, Taiwanese shoemaking group, we we pretty much believe vertical, vertical cooperation instead of integration into one company, and which give us two. Biggest advantage is agility and flexibility. So I remember during our discussion we talk about speed. I think speed is the key because where whether it's in terms of decision making speed or the entrepreneurship spirit, just like Ben said, Taiwanese always want to prove yes we can we can do better than people expect. So this kind of entrepreneurship is not easy to find in a big company or big group because everyone become a part of important parts, but、right. not everything. So this kind of Taiwanese entrepreneurship, I I believe, hold an advantage relative to our South Korean counterparts, and I think this advantage extend beyond the shoemaking industry. I believe it applies to various other industry as well. Yeah, so I I really feel that Taiwanese companies, especially the small and medium enterprises, are among the most efficient in in the world. Yeah, so decisions could take one day to make. I I remember reading an example in my coworker's cover story about the the boss of Fengtai. So I don't know if you remember that story, but that's really one of my favorite stories. So I. A guy who used to work at Fengtai said he once made a recommendation to the boss of Fengtai, Mr. Wang. He saw that there are physically disabled employees working in the factory, but there was no toilets for disabled people. So he made that comment in the afternoon, and the next day it was solved. Next day, the the secretary was able to send out emails to. The people responsible and were able to get a quote to renovate. 
that facility. So that was really impressive, and I cannot imagine this kind of speed, the Taiwan speed in a big Japanese or Korean conglomerate or or any European or American company that is at such scale. So I that was a really impressive story. But an, another interesting because since since Louis, you're you're talking about. The ICT and the semiconductor industry, and and also iPhones. I think a lot of people who are looking at global manufacturing would be perplexed to know that what we're looking at in the iPhone、um, supply chain is that Taiwan used to dominate Foxconn, but then we also have Luxshare, that's a Chinese company. So we we see the Chinese supply chain also gaining momentum in iPhone and a lot of ICT manufacturing goods. Why isn't the same thing happening in the shoemaking industry? I read the magazine this this time that your coworker just worked on this topic. I think there are two different point of view regarding this topic, and I'm the one who stay more cautious、mm-hmm. to this we so called red supply chain. Because if we recall our discussion, why Taiwanese shoemaking groups can take some advantage against the Korean one, I think the red supply chain shows the same agility and flexibility even more. So I think that that's really the reason why give us big pressure for on those red supply chain. So you feel the pressure. I feel the pressure definitely, but however, in contrast to this red supply chain, I think and I believe Taiwan still has some proud advantage. First, in the emerging countries in Southeast Asia, Vietnam or Cambodia, Vietnam, Cambodia, Indonesia, and India, this marks the fourth waves of migration for us Taiwanese own factories. However, for those red supply chain. It is their first time venturing overseas away.、Mm-hmm. So, if I were to liken it to professional sports match in China, that's the their home court for the red supply chain,、mm-hmm. and we are the visitors team. But when it comes to Southeast Asia, that's our home court. Oh, and this time they are the visitors team, so they are away team. So we wait for them. Wow. Secondly, I have confidence in the younger generation of Taiwan, the workforce of this new era. Compared to China, I really hold a positive outlook for the young generation in Taiwan. I know this is very highly subjective sentiment, and I may not have a better explanation because sometimes believing in something doesn't require too many reasons. But look at your coworkers; they are so young. I they they doing amazing work. Yeah, there's a future. That's true.、Yeah. So the more I contact with the younger generation, especially age twenty to thirty, my gut feeling leads me to believe that Taiwan's young people in the twenty to thirty age group shows promise and offer a better future. That's my gut feel. Wow! Thank you for the positive note.、Oh, we don't have enough of that. Yeah. So. I know there's a lot of pressure coming from the Chinese supply chain and the, the competitors. I I love that you have such optimism for the the young generation. 
But some Taiwanese companies uh, that are investing in Southeast Asia are telling me that uh, it's not so easy to find the young people who are willing to be posted overseas to Southeast Asia. So uh, what's your experience like? True, but I think if we, we consider if you are looking for some elite and looking for some manager level above a lot of local workers, actually you don't need too much. Mm, that's true. You need to leave the opportunity to the local excellent workers too. So you just select the proper one and the one you think they are willing to take the challenge, in which I think let's recall or, or advocate my previous statement. I think Taiwanese new age, younger generation, I see the hope from them. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, so I really love Lucy's analogy of the home team and visitor team. I think we mentioned before that you were a um, owner of a basketball team. Maybe we can talk about that. How did you uh, come to own a basketball team? How is it like managing a shoe company, 18 factories, and a basketball team? Uh, first of all, I, I'm part of ownership, but I don't run that professional basketball team because that that's requires huge time, energy, and you need to dedicate to run a successful professional team. So I didn't participate in any management job of that. But back to why I have chance to invest such basketball team, that's also part of my shoe-making story because six years ago, I think Taiwan basketball it went through a low period that's, um, that's quite difficult. So we some of the friends... They want to have a new venture in Asia. We play against other Asia country. So since I stay a lot of time in Southeast Asia, China, Hong Kong, Macau, so I say, hey, call me one. I'm crazy fans of basketball, and those places I have some kind of local resource. I might be helpful. You, you own a team in each country? No, 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 no. We play against the team in those countries. Okay, good. Uh, so what is your team called? Uh, Formosa Dreamers. Formosa Dreamers. I like it. Uh, when is the, the next game? The new season will start in November. Yep. Okay, and they will be playing in Taipei and in, other places? In the major cities in tai, Taiwan. Okay. Uh, and our home court in Taichung and Zhanghua. Okay, good. So... All the basketball fans out there, I don't know how, how many there are, so make sure to uh, find information about Formosa Dreamers, Dreamers. Thank and you. go to their uh, home court in Taichung. Mm. So, well, it's been really a pleasure talking to you too, Louis and Ben. Thank you so much for coming to our studio. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you, going. So, if you're interested in learning more about Taiwanese shoemaking, our companies check out Commonwealth Magazine's English website for our exclusive and in-depth reports. If you like our show, please leave a review or write us an email. It's in the show notes. Our next episode will be online October 10. This show is produced by Wei Ru Wang, edited by Ian Huang. I'm your host, Guang Yingliu. Follow Taiwanology wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you soon.